thank you for this introduction, Pastor Adam. I, I, uh, I hate to have to correct you again, but <laughs> uh, I, I, I am in a program at Harvard, but uh, uh, it is, it is, and it is a graduate program. But it's it's not for the doctoral program. I just have to complete some things. Uh, it's it's thirty credits. So I, I I just I'm just one of those guys that I've I've had it up to here sometimes with pastors that that that, that they embellish everything. You, you know what I mean? So uh, you know you know it was this big. You know it, that 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 I I feel almost compelled to go in the absolute opposite direction. <laughs> so, but uh, the, the, only doc, the only Dr. Hatchett was uh, actually, uh, he, he went to be with Jesus about nine weeks ago. And uh, so this is a, a challenging uh, time uh, for the Hatchett family. But uh, my, there's, a, there's a saying about Irishmen. Irishmen don't have friends. They have sons. And... Uh, so my, my father was my pal, and so. But uh, my my uh, my daughter, my youngest daughter, my baby, uh, I call her Annie. I call her Annie. And sitting with her is her husband. <laughs> They've been married a little a year and a half, and uh, so and we love Evan. And so my daughter's name is no longer Hatcher. Uh, it's Anna Tiemann now, but uh, uh, I, I am so glad that she and her husband, she and her husband, they attend the village, and so, uh, and they're moving in a, uh, not too long, they're moving to uh, Las Colinas or something like that, yeah, and so, and, and she also, I just wanted, to, uh, she graduated on uh, Thursday with her uh, master's in teaching, master of arts in teaching. As you can see, the, the Hatcher family uh, love teachers. Uh, teachers are special people, special people. I want to say a very special thank you to, to Pastor Adam and, and Jamie. And, and the more I, I'm around you and your wife, uh, I was telling him in the other room, I, he said, yeah. He says, did I bat out of my league? I said, no. It's a different sport. <laughs> so, yes, yes, you, you you batted out of your league, and and anyone that's met my wife knows that I did too, and uh, but uh, I, I I shared a little story when I I, I shared I, I did one of your Saturday intensives and I shared about how when uh, I first broached marriage with my with my wife and and uh, uh, most of you weren't there so I'll, I'll I'll share it it is it is it is kind of funny but I I um, I uh, I was. I, I, I loved her so much from the very first moment uh, I met her, and um, which there was a problem because I, I was engaged. Um, I mean, not for me. Um, there was a <laughs> and, and, and so actually in the, the relationship, we, we were just friends. And, but I, I just, I just, I just love this girl. I love being with her. I love spending time with her. And, and the thing that I loved most about her is that she just absolutely didn't take any guff from me at 
nothing. And so, and, and so I, this time, oh, thank you, thank you. I, I, uh, I talked to her, and I, and I, 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 I kind of wussed out in regards to how I brought it up. I said, you know, Lori, me, me and my uh, father were talking about, uh, you know, marriage. And she says, oh, really? You and your father were, were, were talking about marriage. Yeah, yeah. And she says, to me? And I'm like, yeah, of course, absolutely. And, she's, and she grabbed my hand and she said, which was fun because I think that that was the first time. Uh, <laughs> do you remember when holding hands actually was a significant thing? Oh, I loved her, yes. And, and, uh, and so she took me by the hand and she says, I need you to look at me. And I'm like, done. <laughs> and she says, I, I need you to hear this because I, I mean this. And you really got to wrap your, wrap your head around this. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, go ahead. Just go ahead. She says, you're supposed to love the person you're going to marry. I don't even like you. <laughs> so, being an Irishman from Boston, how I interpreted that, <laughs> okay, I'm hearing you. So what you're saying is, there's a chance. <laughs> and I'm telling you, every time I would knock on the door of her apartment, she'd open up the door and she'd go just like this. Oh! <laughs> the praise report is, is that I, I think it was as of Friday, she is this close to liking me. This close. Yeah. But it's a good start. Uh, if, if, if you wouldn't mind, if you, if you would open up your Bibles to Psalm um, 137. Now, uh, there's a number of moving parts in uh, the message I want to share with you uh, this morning. I want you to remember this date. This is an important date in biblical history. In 586 BC, that's when the first temple, the first temple uh, in Jerusalem, uh, the Jewish temple, was destroyed. And as it was destroyed, there was a great, and there's a, a number of different ways that this can be uh, that this word can be used. It, 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 some people pronounce it uh, diaspora, and some people just pronounce it diaspora. And so there was this great diaspora. Uh, and what happened was, was that Babylon, Babylon had swept down, had swept in from Mesopotamia, modern day Iraq. It was in Babylon where Nebuchadnezzar had one of the eighth wonders of the world. It had these multi-level, just uh, the, the hanging gardens of Babylon. But so we have Babylon swept into Palestine. 
And they completely, completely leveled the Temple Mount. And so um, at, at, at this particular time, a, a number of things happened. There were many thousands of Jews that were just killed. Then what, uh, what uh, Mesopotamia, what they would usually do was that they would, they would take uh, the artisans and the intellectuals. They would take, uh, there would be this huge brain, what they call a brain drain. And so they would take all of the gifted people of this culture and they would do that as they conquered nations. So they would just ultimately collect some of the most gifted intellectuals and artisans in the world. And so they were taken off, taken off into Babylon. But there were also hundreds of thousands of other Jews that became a part of not a diaspora to uh, Mesopotamia or to uh, modern day Iraq and Iran. What they did was that they went to the sea all over the Sea of Middle Earth, all around the Sea of Middle Earth's uh, shores. The Sea of Middle Earth we know today as the Mediterranean. That's what Sea of Middle Earth means, Mediterranean. And so all the way from Western Europe, all the way from Spain, some people say even as far as the British Isles, all the way around to East, uh, uh, Eastern Europe, all the way down to Albania, Greece, then to, to modern-day Turkey and uh, 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 the Middle East, and then all the way around the Middle East to then what's known as the Maghreb, North Africa today. And so all the way from Algeria, Tunisia, Morocco. And so all around the Sea of Middle Earth were Jewish communities that then began to develop what was called the synagogue model. And so there's synagogue model. And so uh, more often than not, many times, these, the Jews historically have always been, it seems no matter where they land, even today, for example, today we have 51 Islamic nations, 51 Islamic nations, amazing, 22 of them are Arab Muslim nations, but we can't allow, for some reason, the world cannot make room for one Jewish state. Between 2012 and 2015, there were 97 United Nations General Assembly resolutions. 83 of them were against the state of Israel. Israel, there always seems to be both a physical and cosmic spiritual battle around the state of Israel. And so Israel is, 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 we're going to be talking about that this morning. And we're going to be talking about the second, what they refer to as the second temple. If you remember from your Old Testament books, from Ezra to Nehemiah, it talks about the rebuilding of the temple. But now it was Cyrus and Darius from Persia that sent them back, that sent Jews back with money and resources and all kinds of things. And they sent them back to do two things, to rebuild the temple and to rebuild the wall. 
Then a third thing happened. A third thing happened that a man by the name of King Herod, he was a part of what was called the Hasmonean dynasty. He was wealthy and he loved to build building projects. One of the first things that he did was that he built Caesarea. That's in, that's in Israel. And of course, Caesarea is named after Caesar. So he built that in honor of Caesar. And so he was a, a Jew, but he was real, but he did not live religiously as a Jew. But he loved to build things. So what he did was that when he came to the throne, is that he built one of the most beautiful buildings in all the world, and it's known as Herod's Second Temple. So as this, this temple, it's beautiful. And if you go to Jerusalem today, and you go up onto the Temple Mount, I've actually been in the Temple Mount, and have been in what is now the Dome of the Rock and Al-Aqsa Mosque, they no longer let Gentiles or Jews. You have to be of the, uh, uh, what's called the Dar al-Islami, the House of Islam, to go up on the Temple Mount now. But the Temple Mount is the largest Temple Mount in the world. It is huge. And that's where Herod built one of the most beautiful buildings on the planet in human history. Just an amazing edifice. People used to come from all over the world just to visit Herod's temple. But what these Jews, now I want you to go back to all of these Jews. So you have all of these Jews all over the world and they would worship regularly in their synagogue. And many of them were, under, were in bondage. Some of them were, were in servitude. And one of the things that they used to say to each other to comfort each other was, next year in Jerusalem. Next year. Next year in Jerusalem. And so at this particular time, we're now in the first century. We're coming to the end of Jesus' ministry. And as these people now, there are hundreds of thousands of people on pilgrimage right now are on pilgrimage to visit Jerusalem because they're coming to the high holy day of what's known as Passover. And that's where they celebrate coming out of bondage in Egypt. So it's all about coming out of bondage. And they come and they worship at Passover. And they visit and worship at the temple. And many of these people, up to a third of them, are what's known as God-fearers. Because what happened was, many of these Jews intermarried. And they intermarried with the people that were around them. So there were all kinds of biracial and interracial marriages. But just, let me just put a, just a comma there, just for a second. One of the first things that happened on why we chose this church, besides loving Pastor and Adam and Pastor Jamie so much, they are, are, they are amazing, uh, amazingly transparent people. They are, uh, they are authentic. And sadly, they are of a rare breed. But we love it. This is our home church. This is our home church. They are our pastors. I call them call him Pastor Adam, I call her Pastor Jamie. They are our pastors. Lori and I were in our car 
I don't drive, no one in my family drives with me because I'm blind in my right eye and, and have 70% in my left eye. So no one drives with me, I drive alone. So whenever I'm with Lori, she drives because I don't know, she has this thing about living, I don't know. So, <laughs> so we're sitting in the car and, and we're, we're just getting out of church. Do you see it? She said, what? I said, that. What do you, what, what do you, what do you see? I said, I said, it looks like heaven. That the demographics of this church, do you know that when men try to do this, uh, when they try to impose this, it is always horrible, messy, manipulative process. I was a part of the Boston busing thing that happened in the, in, in the 70s. Oh, it was just, it was brutal, the violence, the, it was just, just a hellish thing. Only the Spirit of the Lord can do this. You guys are a part of something very special. Don't ever take this place for granted. This is holy. Red, brown, yellow, black, and white. We are precious in his sight. This is a special place. This is a special place. So getting back, so this, this, these people are, are on their way. There's hundreds of thousands of people on the move. Many of them are known as God-fearers. And they're on their way to Herod's second temple. But they have been used, and if you would, just open up your Bible just real quick. I want you to see one of the things that drove them. One of the things, the expectations. Have you ever had expectations that were a little unrealistic? And have you ever been, you know, kind of prone? Some of us that are, are idealists or romantics, we set ourselves up all the time for disappointment. One of the things, and Lori and I joke, I said, after the, the last number of years, it, there's no possible way I could keep my expectations any lower. It's just, I just don't think physics, you know, by the laws of physics, I, I just don't think it's possible. It's, it's been a challenging couple of years in some ways. But some of us, we, get, we, we, we just get very idealistic. So if we look at this portion of scripture, Psalm 137, Psalm 137, at the beginning of the psalm, it says, By the rivers of Babylon, we sat and wept when we remembered Zion, the temple. Zion, the city of Jerusalem. The city on a hill. The church on a hill. When we remembered Zion, there on the poplars, we hung our harps, for there our captors asked us for songs. Our tormentors demanded songs of joy. They said, hey, hey, watch us. Sing us one of those songs of Zion. You guys are funny. How can we sing? 
How can we sing the songs of the Lord while in a foreign land? If I forget you, Jerusalem, may my right hand forget it still. May my tongue cleave or cling to the roof of my mouth if I do not remember you, if I do not consider Jerusalem my highest joy. Now, when we think about Passover week, we remember the passion. And oftentimes we associate the passion, the beginning of passion is actually the triumphal, triumphant, uh, uh, triumphal entry. But it's actually not. Theologically, there is something prior to the uh, triumphal entry. And it is the cursing of the fig tree. If, 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 you, if you look in your text, if you look in your text, can we throw those pictures up of, of, of the fig tree? I want us to see here this fig tree. In Palestine, uh, and I've been to Israel many times, there are, there are wild figs everywhere, wild fig trees everywhere. And they're absolutely amazing to just go over and to pick one off and to peel it back and to just, in for the people, the Bedou and the nomad and the early Israelites, they were a Bedou nomadic people that oftentimes where they got their sustenance, both food and water would be from like wild fruit, like this, like figs. Jesus is with his disciples. And he sees the fig tree from, a, from a afar off. And it's in blossom. It's in bloom. It has, it has all, it, it's giving all of the advertisement of life. It's saying, I have sustenance. I have answers. And in many ways, this is a prototype of the temple. That, 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 that this is a metaphor that's working in tandem with the temple. So Jesus walks all the way over. He's, this is the Theanthropos, God, the God-man. Jesus is the Theanthropos, Theo, God, Anthropos, man. In his humanity, he's hungry and thirsty. He's walked for miles and hours. He sees the fig trees and all oh, wild figs. They're just absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. So he makes his way all the way over to this fig tree that was afar off. He finally gets there. And, and there's blossom, there's foliage, there's leaves. And, but he's looking. Not only is there not a plethora, not only is there not a cornucopia of, of abundance, he looks and looks. There's, there's nothing there. This is, this is advertising to the world. We have what you need. We're advertising to the culture. We have answers. only to work your way through the beautiful buildings and all of the incredible facilities and the amazing lights and, it's, you know, some of them were smoke. And, I mean, it's literally like we make our own Shekinah glory. I mean, it's just like, you know, and, it's, you know, and I just want to lay these spiritual jumper cables on you. And if things get really crazy, we're going to do some leg lengthening. And, you know, just to show you that 
You know, when I'm, and I'm going to bop some people off the head with my microphone and have them go down under the power. You know what? I'm, I am so grateful that this is a safe place. This is a charismatic Pentecostal church. They love the gifts. But there's leadership and structure. Don't let anyone ever fool you. Structure and leadership is not the enemy of the moving of the Holy Spirit. Boundaries is never the enemy of the Holy Spirit. The moving of the Holy Spirit requires more structure, not less. And I am so grateful you have pastors that, will, that they don't themselves and they won't let anyone else, either by what they articulate or by what they model, injure their people. And they have the courage to guard the sacred desk. Thank you, Pastor Evans. Thank you, Pastor Jim. It's all right. So, Jesus, this frustration there, it's may you never bear fruit again. Powerful rebuke. The disciples refer to it the very next day in the Gospels as they go, That is a metaphor for the temple. As Jesus gets to the temple, real, real quickly, there are three groups. Three groups that have influence. You don't necessarily have to have a position in an environment to have influence. You, got, you don't have to have a position in an environment to, to influence that environment, good or bad. So what happens, uh, right down the first one, is Sadducees. Sadducees. The Sadducees are the aristocracy. Wealthy, amazingly wealthy, landed gentry, nobility. They're also a part of the uh, Hasmonean aristocracy. And they're responsible for the running of the temple. Uh, and the, and they, what, what happens with, you know what, none of these groups started out intentionally. They all started out well-intended. It's amazing. Nobody, nobody, you know, nobody went into the ministry saying, you know what, I'm really looking forward to when we can really start damaging people. You know, that'll be great. They didn't start that. You know, it costs money to keep the lights on. It costs money to keep this. I don't know about you. Today, I like the heat. I'm a Boston boy, but I, I still prefer to be, you know, mid-60s inside. All of these nice classrooms, your staff, and in order to keep the organizational machine running, it requires resources. Let me tell you, there is a significant difference between creating a revenue stream that is just appropriate and manipulating people financially. 
This is a safe place financially. This guy takes literally, I believe, what might be the fastest offering in the Metroplex. <laughs> I, I'm telling you the truth. I've been in some environments, I'm telling you, if I had, if I had a sniper rifle, <laughs> there'd be some misunderstandings. Some people, as they take the offering, they're some of the most manipulative people I've ever seen in my life. And then when you lather that all up with Christianese, ooh-wee. And some people can't tell the difference between heat and fire. I'm telling you right now, a lot of people, a lot of people have had it up here with, with ministries that are manipulating them financially. I'll tell you, that, 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 that offering, ooh, that's full contact. Yep, yep. So anyway, the Hasmoneans, the Sadducees, they developed that in the, uh, that in the context of the temple, they were going to have their own currency. And they minted their own shekel coin, or a Tyrian shekel. And they would not, and, it, it, and, and you had to exchange money, exchange money, Roman money, Greek money, Persian money, whatever, whatever currency you brought from whatever part of the world you came from, you had to exchange that currency for, te for temple currency. And they were always getting annihilated in, in the exchange rate. And then on top of all that, they would have people that would go through, because people would bring their own sacrifices. I ain't paying for none of them temple sacrifices no more. You kid, I'm bringing my own goat, bring my own lamb. I'm gonna bring my own, I'm gonna bring my own calf. You have any idea how much they charge you for those temple calves? Unbelievable, so I'm gonna bring my own. And so what they would do, they would go through, they'd send their people out there, the Sadducees would send their people, and they'd find whatever flaw. Nope, I'm sorry. Doesn't meet, doesn't meet temple requirements. I mean, that might have met some requirement back in, you know, back rump Persia, but it certainly doesn't meet the... I mean, look where you are. I mean, you're at the temple. You're at Herod's temple. We have standards. Can't bring that in here. Can't bring it in here. Can't bring it in. Got to... Sell it out there, sell it for what you can get for it, and put that up down for a nice temple calf. Or maybe you got a good dual lamb. I don't know. You'll like it. So that. So they manipulate them with the shekels. They manipulate them with the animals. Now we have a second group, and they're called the Essenes. The Essenes. The Essenes are, are, a, are a Jewish monastic groups. They, they first became known uh, with, in the dig at the caves of Qumran. I've been at that dig. I saw where the shepherd, where the Palestinian shepherd boy found the hole, worked his way through the hole, and it was there that he found the Dead Sea Scrolls. And of course, it's right next to the Dead Sea. And so I walked, I spent some time at the, at the caves of Qumran, then I walked across 
you know, about a half mile down the road and, and, I, and you know, was just looking at the Dead Sea and just, just, just taking it all in. But these Essenes were interesting. They had already become a part of what was called, if you take notes, it's called the Oral Law. It eventually would become the Talmud, the Midrash, and the Gemara. And this eventually became the Talmud, and there were two. There was the Babylonian Talmud and the Jerusalem Talmud. And these, besides the 613 mitzvahs or laws of the Old Testament, 248 things that you do, 365 things that you don't do, besides those 613 rules, that in this oral tradition that that not everybody got the memo on because it's oral. And so these, these uh, Essenes were monastics. They were ascetics. And so they, 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 did, they, they did not marry. They did not have intercourse. So they had to reproduce. They had to reproduce by uh, proselytizing. And so they were what was called, in some ways, they were dualists. The spiritual is good, the physical is bad. And they really got caught up in all kinds of laws around different kinds of clothing that was, that was appropriate, uh, that, was, uh, uh, that met biblical standards. But again, a lot of these were not in the Bible. They became a part of oral traditions. So they would show up and bring their, you know, their goodies to the temple. And they would go up and down the line. And there would be literally thousands of people trying to gain access into the temple. All going through the money manipulation process of the Sadducees. Now they've got to deal with the self-righteousness of the Essenes. And the Essenes, there'd be certain kinds of clothing that can't be mixed with other kinds of clothing. And a big thing that they did was around disabled and handicapped. People like, I, I've had 16 spine surgeries. When I, when I, for a while, when actually Pastor Adam hired me at Christ for the Nation, that, uh, that since I've been back in a five-year time, I've had three or four surgeries just since I've you know, moved back there. And, and, uh, but before that, I had a hard time even walking, and I walked very difficulty, uh, with, with difficulty with a cane. And just had a hard time. And so all of a sudden, the Essenes were preventing people who were handicapped or disabled from entering into the temple. There's no, no room for broken people. No room for damaged people. See, God is so holy. God is so holy that, that, that us disabled, damaged people, that we... We insult God. Do you know that there's a lot of that there's a lot of ministry environments disabled people are not safe in because we we uh, we make some people uncomfortable because we challenge their theology at times. Do I want to be healed? Yes. Can God heal me? Yes. Am I open to it? Yes. Has he healed me yet? No. But I'm working 
according to my doctor, I'm the only person that has the disease I have that she's ever known that's been employed. I, I look at that as a gift of grace. And I'm, and I'm grateful for that. But these people had sung the songs from the shores of Babylon. They had been told, oh, wait till you see it. Wait till you see it. You won't believe it. Oh, the temple. Oh, they, it's something else. Beautiful. The singing, the worship, the building, the prayer. Only to get there and they're pushing, shoving in line and being manipulated like they're going into Disney World for crying out loud. And you know, and you know, and, and then you get people manipulating them about their stuff. And then these other people are coming through the line saying, I can't even come in because because I'm 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 disabled. I'm I'm, I'm broken and in my my something about my clothes and my and how how my my Stretcher is made and the material that's used. And then, on top of all of that, the third group, the Pharisees. The Pharisees were not, it was, it was both a religious and a political movement. Pharisees were not ministerium. They could be, but they didn't have to be. Pharisees were about three things, about protecting three things. And the Romans insulted all three things. And more than just the Romans, these God-fearers and these Jews that married outside their tribe, and these biracial, beautiful kids, but biracial, they mixed pure Jewish blood. Pharisees were all about language. The Bible that most Jews used of that day was not the Hebrew Bible. It was the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Old Testament. They didn't even read the Bible in their own lingua franca, their own language. So language, culture, and religion. And these And these Pharisees were the face of an underground movement called the Sikari. Sikari. And what that means, Sikari means cloak and dagger men. That if you were a Roman soldier and they caught you out after duty at night in the dark and you were alone, they would cut your throat from ear to ear and leave you for dead. James and John were Sakari, the sons of thunder. Peter, Sakari. The majority of all the Sakari came from the Galilee. Fishermen, go down there to the docks. You want some fighters? You want, a, you want some guys that know how to look for trouble and find it? Whose car are we taking? I'm up. I'm in. Got to go hurt some people. Who's driving? So can you imagine all three of these groups are bad enough but one, but all three, all three distorting the image of God, all three distorting the heart of God towards people, the world. So 
So Jesus, and this is after the, after the fig tree, and he knows, and he comes in, and he's just taking it all in. And the only place, the only place for God-fearers, the only place where people of color, the only place where people who were not Jews could worship had been turned into a petting zoo. The only place where they could sing the songs of Zion was, you had all kinds of money bargaining going on, all kinds of animals making noises and doing what animals do. Do, do, do. So all of that, right? And the only, and they had been told, oh, wait till you see, wait till you get there. Oh, the presence of the Lord, the presence of the Lord. It's all in Jesus. In John's gospel, you can see him. I can just just sense it. He's taking that rope and he's, Lord, they are so damaging your heart they are so misrepresenting your heart righteous indignation this is God in the flesh we're told in the Old Testament in Jeremiah and Isaiah that that his his heart for the temple consumes him. And he takes that rope and he made a whip out of it and he goes in kicking over tables, bashing things of money and money's flying everywhere. Tables are getting flipped over. Animals are going all over the place. And in the And he says, you have made my father's house a den of robbers. That den of robbers, do you remember when Jesus hung on the cross between two? Thieves. But no, see, the Romans knew that Jews hated theft. And according to Roman law, theft was not a capital crime. These men that hung between Jesus, that Jesus hung between, they were Sicarii. They were part of the guerrilla movement, just like another man that we'd hear his name in a few days, and his name was Barabbas. He was a Sicarii, and the, and, and the Romans would not give these guys the, the benefit of being called rebels or revolutionaries. They called them thieves, similar to where we would get the idea of Robin Hood. Come in. And all of it, this is it. This, this is it. But Jesus, its stuff is everywhere. And what happens? What happens when after Jesus cleansed the temple? I want you to look over in your Bibles, if you would, to Mark's. Uh, Mark, again, 
on reaching Jerusalem, he entered the temple courts and began driving out those who were buying and selling. He overturned the tables of the money changers and benches of those selling doves. He would not allow anyone to carry merchandise, merchandise through the temple courts. And as he taught them, he said, is it not written, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of racists. The chief priests and the teachers of the law heard this and they began looking for a way to kill him. You see? I'm going to kill this guy. Someone, I want the guy gone and I want to get this done. He's dead. They began looking for a way to for they feared him because the whole crowd was amazed at his teaching. When evening came, Jesus went out of the city. Is anyone else? So we see that there. But one of the gospels, it closes that as all of this was going on, somebody started bringing in the disabled. Someone started, come on, come on. All of a sudden, there's no one at the gate. They're picking stuff up. And all of a sudden, the broken and the lame are coming in. And all of a sudden, the kids are dancing and singing. Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. You know what Hosanna means? Rescue us. Do you know what they were saying? Rescue us from? Not the Roman Empire. Rescue us from dead orthodoxy. If this is it, we need to be rescued. Jesus, save us. Save us from ourselves. What happened after he cleansed the table, uh, temple? Two things. He healed the broken and the lame. And the children danced. Pastor Hudson. Come on, stand with me all across the room. I want Pastor John to pray with us. May our hearts never be so filled with greed, judgment, that we, the temple of God, stand at a distance from what a relationship with Him could really look like. May it not be about pomp and circumstance. May it never be about going to services to appease some concept of dead religion. But may you and I grow closer to our Lord Jesus Christ. I love what Pastor John was saying, that he cleansed the temple. He drove all of that out. So those of us who are broken and have difficulty could come and know the Lord our God. Pastor John to minister to you for just a couple of seconds here. Would you just bow your head and close your eyes? Pastor John, speak life over us. I, my grandson was, grandkids were over the house the past couple of days. My grandson had a yo-yo and he's too little to have the yo-yo. I was concerned he wrapped a string around his neck and 
but I had bought him a, a number of trucks. I have a collection started for him. And, and so I said, God, here, Bumpa, here, Bumpa, the yo-yo. Give, give me that yo-yo that could hurt you so I can give you this. Give, give me that, 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 that caused me or might damage, harm you so I can bless you with this. That today, the, the, the temple that might need to be cleansed might be in your own heart. It might be in your life. That the Lord is wanting to bring some things into your life, but he's saying, I, I can't give you this till you put that down. You don't need that. That's only caused brokenness and pain. Put that down so I can give you this. Some of us, the Lord has some things for you in 2017, but you've got to put some stuff down because you can't take that there. Put some stuff down today. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lord, today, Lord, not that it all happens today, but that something can start today. Start today. Cleanse us, Lord. This season, Emmanuel, your nearness, your, your closeness, your imminence. Lord, I pray that we would feel your nearness like never before. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, I just thank you for these amazing men and women that I get to pastor love on. And Lord, I thank you that today we've heard such a truth, such a truth, just such an authentic truth. And Lord, we we ask you here and now as we put a period at the end of this chapter called 2016 oh God that that there'd be there'd be no if you will baggage that we carry into 2017 the spirit of the Lord convict our heart show us what we can't see the blind spots of life and Lord God may you may you show us oh God we're the love that you have for us. May that become so true today. The way that Pastor John articulated that you would clear everything out of the way just to get us into your presence. You would kill every bit of religion, every bit of manipulation, every bit of, of, of racism and judgment just to get a hold to us in our heart have interaction with you. Thank you for that. Who you are, God. Whatever picture has been painted to us outside of that is a lie. Lord, that you would cleanse our minds, knowing that you love us, that you haven't forsaken us, that no sin is too great, that you didn't die for it, and that we can have a relationship with you no matter how wicked we've been or how shameful we've been. And so, Father, I thank you now that you're removing shame across this place today. Lord, remove our shame that we may come boldly into your presence. Lord, we need you more than we've ever needed you. 
We love you more than we've ever loved you. And we ask for you in our hearts like never before. In Jesus' name.